0: Conversations with Jesus. We've been in this a while, and uh, I was noticing, I don't know if you've noticed, but uh, I put on every lesson, this is number 60, and uh, we've been doing this a while. There's a lot of things in the Gospels, especially the Gospel of John, uh, that seem to at least uh, discuss some uh, pretty important things. And I want to ask you to consider today this topic uh, that we will uh, look at. I've told you that this 12th chapter, and specifically where we've been uh, is uh, this uh, last uh, statement of Jesus uh, to the crowds. He will not speak to them anymore. He uh, moves on now with His disciples. And I've kind of titled this last one, and I, I just got one done last week, so there's a couple of more here today, called Last Lecture to the Crowd. When I was in graduate school uh, years and years ago, and they do it in colleges, uh, there's a phenomenon that we saw at times uh, which they called Last Lecture Lunch. I remember the first time I saw it, uh, a, 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 a professor, Dr. Joseph Wong, uh, who I had uh, while I was in seminary, that the total uh, c- uh, content of our conversations was this when I walked by him. Hi, how are you? And uh, he kept walking right by me. And uh, I, I, I soon realized he didn't want to know how I was doing, actually. you know? <laughs> Kind of hurt. Kind of hurt. Uh, but I saw that Dr. Wong was having his last lecture, and I thought, is he retiring uh, has somebody finally got fed up that he doesn't care how you're doing? Uh, you know, uh, that was a standard thing he'd say. Hi, how are you? I'd walk right past you. Uh, you what was that? Uh, and uh, uh, so uh, I, I saw. I thought, well, no, what it is is that. What it is is that professors or teachers like that have this lecture that they say, if I were to give the last lecture I ever had, if I were to, to teach the last lesson. Uh, that I was ever to teach, if this was it, uh, for you know providential purposes, if I died or if something happened where I couldn't speak, uh, this would be it. And those were pretty fascinating, uh, pretty fascinating lectures, uh, where a professor was pretty juiced up about. Here's what I would say. Here's what I would talk about. I think that's an interesting question. Uh, I, I've often uh, in the in the fall when ragweed is blowing and going, I have some throat problems, and I lost my voice one time for three months. Imagine that. Don't anybody say hallelujah! <laughs> I lost my voice for three months. Uh, I put a tag on my uh, shirt at school. I would go and just squeak out uh, a lecture, just literally could barely uh, be heard. Which again, the students said, "Our prayers have been answered finally." <laughs> and I remember in that in that time, I you know I have a pretty active imagination. Uh, I, I'll tell you a story later that Becky said next year I have to go to day camp every day um, because I had too much time this summer to sit in the house and think. Um, uh, but I remember thinking uh, in my own mind, what if I lose my voice and it gets paralyzed and I can't ever speak again? What would I want to be the last thing that I said? What, I, what would I want to, to be that last, if you will, lecture uh, that I would speak about under those uh, circumstances? Uh, You you, Probably the most famous, and you probably remember this guy, Randy Pausch. uh, In 2007, became a worldwide phenomenon. uh, A computer science professor at Carnegie Mellon University gave his last lecture on September 18, 2007. Uh, Randy had metastatic uh, pancreatic cancer and knew that he was dying and decided uh, that he would uh, uh, have a final lecture about what he had learned in life. Uh, it was on the internet on youtube i bet I'm sure some of it, there was a book even written about it uh, he He became the co-author of a book of a personal friend from the wall street journal that that made this last lecture possible to a lot of people. They published it in two thousand and eight. It was the number one bestseller for months at a time. Dr. Posh spoke of the things that that really mattered about his life, his learning his his family, he said he had, he, he, he had only had one near-deathbed experience at close to the end of his life. He said this. I'm just quoting what he said. He said he had this near-deathbed experience that changed him in some sense. He didn't die, but He said he bought a Mac instead of a PC. <laughs> I've had that same experience. <laughs> yeah. Last lecture. This thing went viral. And it went all around the world for him to share those things that meant the most to him. And I I want to suggest to you, because this is the last statement that Jesus has to the crowds, this is the the last, if you will, uh, uh, recorded uh, conversation, that this is the chapter 12 is really sort of Jesus' last lecture to the crowds. It really is. We've seen some heavy stuff, haven't we, about how people get their hearts hardened, about who is it that believes and who doesn't believe. We talked about that election. We talked about God's sovereignty. Is He in control or in charge? What what are those? All all of these things. And I, I, I told Becky, I said, it's been difficult to get out of this chapter. She said, would you? And I said, I'll try. Now... Read with me, if you will, in verse 44, and I'm just going to go back here on 1244. It says, and Jesus cried out. Now, I told you last week, that word cried out only occurs four times in the Gospel of John. And every time it does, it is an announcement. It is something to draw attention to. It's found in 115, 728, 737, and 1244. This is not just a word used uh, hit and miss. This is not a word that is used indiscriminately. It's a word that is an announcement. It's a word that says, listen up, if you will, to what I'm saying. And so it says, he who believes in me does not believe in me, but in him who sent me. He who sees me has seen the one who sent me. I have come as light into the world, so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my sayings and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come into the world to judge, but to save the world. He who rejects me does not and does not receive my sayings has one who judges him. The word I spoke is what will judge him at the last day. Because I did not speak on my own initiative, but the Father Himself who sent me has given me a commandment as to what to say and what to speak. I know that His commandment is eternal life. Therefore, the things I speak, I speak just as the Father has told me. Now, Jesus makes a fascinating statement here in this matter, and He's already said back earlier in the Gospel of John, I'm the light of the world. He's finishing up this I am statement, if you will, by saying I have come as light into the world. And I want to suggest that one of the things that we see here is that Jesus is bearing light or insight or understanding about these really important topics. Now, it is more in my judgment, this revelation, this light covers everything that He said, but I'm going to suggest it for our purposes today that this is light, this is revelation as it relates to it. I think this is still on your outline from last week because we only got one done. That, that it began last week with the truth about the nature of God. This light that comes to tell us. We, if you didn't hear it, you can listen to it online. We, we recorded that, that, that Him being the light is the light because He says, He who's seen me has seen the Father. If you want to know what God is like, if you want to know what His character is like, you just look at me. And so Jesus as the light uh, brings uh, understanding. We're going to look at two other things uh, today that Jesus I think brings to light that we need to look at. But I want you to notice here in this statement about light. Uh, this is an interesting thing you just may want to mark, make a mark by your uh, by your uh, Bible there where that word it says he says I have come as light. The verb here is a pretty significant come I have come as light. It's what we call in Greek the perfect tense. And there are all kinds of tenses in Greek. You know, present, past, future, all that kind of stuff like in English. But there's a perfect tense that means this. Something that has happened that continues to have results. Something that has happened but continues to have results. Uh, You know, uh, it it, it has this notion that these activities or these matters are, are continuing. I tell my students all the time. I say, now remember, when you go to college, you're developing a, a record that's going to follow you around. It's called your transcript. <laughs> you know, it starts, and you know what? It continues throughout your life. It it, it doesn't just ha- happen in this. It it it, it follows you around. Uh, so Jesus is saying this: I've come as light. That's what's happened, and the light that I'm bearing continues for all the ages. That that I'm 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 the I'm the one who brings the light. And this light is not just for this generation. This light is not just for these people that He's speaking to. I'm the light that continues into all the future. To me, that's exciting because I'm saying that Jesus is thinking, or at least considering, that He's not just informing or enlightening these people. He's enlightening us and every uh, subsequent generation. So we, we looked at that. And last week, I'll just show you this again here real quick. The truth about the nature of God, you've got that. We looked at this fascinating picture uh, and about perspective, and now probably you can tell me which one is which, the older lady or the younger lady. The truth here, though, that Jesus takes us to this week is the truth about judgment. The truth about judgment. Uh, it's interesting to me, and I wrote in my notes here, one of the things, look at Jesus says here in verses 47. If anyone hears my sayings and does not keep them, I don't judge him, for I didn't come in the world to judge, but to save Now, Jesus is teaching us here about, again, this is a big deal, isn't it? Judgment. I wrote here, I said, uh, many people, like myself, get nervous when we talk about judgment, right? And the fact of the matter is, if we're not careful, uh, Christians can get the reputation of being what? Judgmental. You know, that's an interesting uh, 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 dialectic, or if you, (laughs) you knew that word was coming. Uh, uh, 942, anyway, (laughs) yeah. Uh, this 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 tension of this understanding of judgment that Jesus uh, talks about. I I know that uh, sometimes we we uh, talk about Jesus and we know about uh, all the things about, it. but there are times when he will get right up close to us and say, "You need to understand this about the future, about judgment." I'd say it this way: I don't think any of us can go through life without judging. Nobody's coming back next week. <laughs> Crino, the word judging or or judge, krino, means to make a distinction. You know, I didn't drink any Drano this morning. I drank coffee. <laughs> I made a judgment there, right? I made a distinction where there's a difference in that. That 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 no one can go through life without judging, uh, where we make distinctions, where we can identify. What is this and that? That this is good for you. Or this is bad for you. And I would suggest to you that the New Testament uh, doesn't condemn all judging. It condemns hypocritical judging, where Jesus said, "Don't judge, unless you're ready to be judged." Right? Don't don't judge there in Matthew. Don't judge unless you're ready to be judged. That that the notion is of having some sense of judgment. We talk about that, don't we? That I, I, I've said about Becky, it's true, she is a very sweet and kind person. But she married me, which demonstrates very little judgment. <laughs> right? And I'm going to pay for that one. <laughs> like always. Uh, we talk about, you know, people don't seem to have any judgment about things. They, they spend their money, they do things, they don't have any judgment. and, 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 and this notion of judgment, Jesus is going to get specific, but I, I just want to say as a general principle that no one can go through life without making some judgments about reality, about what's right, about what's wrong, about what's good for you, about what's bad for you. The, the, those notions. Are, now, here's the difference in, in, in this. I, say, I, I would say it this way, that, that we're not to be judgmental. What's judgmental? Here's what I would say to you if you were to ask me, and you did, I think. Here's what what judgmental is. Judgmental is when I have an opinion about everything and everyone all the time. (laughs) Meet people like that? Judgmental is I have an opinion and a thought and an idea about everyone all the time. I've had a little of that trouble. My dad bought me a refrigerator magnet that said, This everybody is entitled to my opinion. <laughs> and he wasn't kidding. <laughs> uh, judgmental, to where one has an opinion or a thought or an idea about everyone and everything. Judgmental is also, instead of saying, You did something wrong, you know, you, you can make that disterm- determination. Judgmental is when I say, You've done something wrong and you always will do it wrong. That's what Jesus and the New Testament seem to be condemning. is not the notion of making a judgment, but being judgmental where I say, I not only saw what you did was wrong, I know what you're going to do from now on. Get the difference? I'm condemning you. I'm saying you can't change, you won't change, you're not going to change. And that kind of attitude or idea is something that seems to me to be clearly wrong and clearly Misunderstood. Now what Jesus said about it, let's look here about this matter. Jesus said, I'm going to look at verse 47. He said, if anyone hears my saying and keep them, I do not judge him. I didn't come to the world to judge. Here's the interesting thing. Jesus purpose of coming into the world is to save. See that there in verse 47? Jesus coming into the world his purpose is to save. But it is fascinating here That Jesus then says in verse 48 He who rejects me does not reject and does not receive my sayings, has one who judges him. The word that I spoke will judge him in the last day. I wrote in my notes, and you may want to put this down here Jesus is clear. His purpose for coming is to save, one of the results of his coming is judgment. That's different, isn't it? The purpose to come is to save. But one of the results of His coming will be for those who reject His words or sayings, will be judgment. I think it's important to keep that balance or to keep that awareness that Jesus very clearly makes this statement. Hey, that's not why I came. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to judge the world but to save the world. Yes, Yeah, Paul say, says that in, in Corinthians. He, but when he's saying he judges all things, the question is there again. Is he referring to the notion Paul seems to be suggesting about some spiritual matters there as an apostle? But but th- this idea of judgment is simply the consequence of that. Let me, let me give you an example. Uh, Wayne Bolenbacher, maybe y'all, some of you all know him. He's the uh, CFO uh, here at uh, Crossings. Wayne and I have known each other about 37, 38 years. Wayne worked with me at a church in Houston. He was the a business administrator. When they asked me to be the pastor, I said, I wouldn't take it unless you hire Wayne. And Wayne is quick to remind me that during the vote, I got 91% of a vote and he got 97 I said, then be the pastor, big boy. <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it, so Wayne, I've known each other for a long time. And Wayne is a, a careful person with the finances uh, here at the church and in his own life. Uh, in fact, I remember Wayne telling me years ago, uh, Cliff, uh, you need to put away as much as you can in retirement. Uh, and we were about 35, 36, we are talking about that. And I said to Wayne, yeah, 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 I know, I know, I know. Uh, but, you know, I was 35 and I had other things to do. And uh, as I think about what he said, he was trying to help me and trying to get me to there. Now, Wayne, having taken his own advice, is ready to retire at 62 which I sort of resent. (laughs) Uh, I uh, talked with my financial planner the other day, and it looks like my retirement date is 87. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Now, did Wayne judge me, or did his words? His words. He didn't judge me. He said, Cliff, you ought to do this. This would be smart. Uh, This would be helpful. This would be something you ought to do. Uh, But here's what I'm suggesting you do. And I didn't, I'm sorry to say, you know, at this point. I I, I told Becky, I said, we've got a a, a deadline now of about 90, and we'll be fine. Um, And she's looking at me like, what? Uh, But it wasn't. his, His words were given in order to bring vitality or financial help but I didn't keep them I, I didn't keep them see what Jesus said verse 47 if you hear my sayings and don't keep them I, it's interesting here when we think about what Jesus is saying about judgment he's just saying look here's the here's what's going to happen cliff here, here's 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 the matter that you need to understand he's telling these people the truth about judgment is this is that it's going to be based on my words not yours. Not not your ability to talk your way out of it. My fourth grade teacher told my dad one time, this boy thinks he can talk himself out of anything. And I ran into a lady in the fifth grade named Mrs. Choice. I hope none of her relatives are here. But she changed that process. Quickly. He, it's not my words that will... Will judge me or adjudicate me. It's hearing his words and keeping them. See, so it says right here, he who hears my words but doesn't keep Now, the word here, you know, it's pretty simple. It means uh, here in Greek, actually. Yeah, it's a powerful word. Powerful word. Yeah. It, it, uh, it, it's, this, it's this notion. And you know what? I, here's something that I've noticed about me um, I've developed a habit. That when somebody says something, sometimes I go, now what? And as soon as I say that, I say to myself, you heard them, Cliff. Anybody else do that but me? Yeah. Really? That gives me a little comfort. <laughs> that that that. sometimes when I hear, if a person is talking to me, or Becky particularly, she'll say something, i go, huh? And, she, and she'll say, i say, you already you already heard that. What? It's a habit somehow I've developed over time. Becky calls it selective hearing. Um. I'm not sure. But, but I thought about that. I thought, well, I heard it, but I want to hear it again. Because whatever's going on in me at that time, I, I, I'm distracted, or I don't want to hear it, or I'm not interested, or I just want her to tell me again. Jesus says this if you hear it, what's the next step? Do it. Do it. See, you, you keep it. The, the word here, if anyone hears my word and does not keep, the word keep means to keep safe, to guard, and defend. I've already told you this, and you, you know this, and I know this. The problem with me at times is I'm already educated above my obedience level. <laughs> right? I told you, when I was a pastor, so, well, I'm not probably now, but... <laughs> um, we we had a, at our church back then. This was a long time ago. We 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 had Sunday night services. Remember those? Had those? And I told them. I said I'm not going to preach again on Sunday night. I'm just I'm just not going to do that. And a couple people got upset with me, which you know I, I listened to them and heard them. What'd you say again? No. <laughs> what? Uh, so I uh, I said to them. I said, well. I, we're just not going to do that, I can't do that we'll, we'll just take what I did on Sunday morning and we're going to work on application and that was not well received <laughs> we're just going to, we're going to talk about application how do we do something about this and I remember talking to this person and saying uh, they said, well, you know, you ought to preach again I said, look, look, t- a couple of reasons I'm not smart enough to put two really good sermons together I work crazy to get one Okay, and don't tell me what you think about it <laughs> I just said, I really work hard to do that and I said, but listen, let me, let me tell you something else when I went to church as a kid, we came home from church, went to Luby's and ate and beat the Baptist and uh, and then got there and got through. And then we went home and we took a nap and then we watched the Dallas Cowboys get beat. And then uh, <laughs> nothing's changed. <laughs> and And then we went back to church and didn't do one thing about what we heard Sunday morning. Not a thing. And I just said, I'm not going to keep educating you above your obedience level. I'm just not going to do it. It's just not not necessary. I mean, it's ridiculous to think. You know, the problem is that sometimes we just get into the habit of hearing. 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 Jesus said, this is the standard or the matter here of judgment when He says, if you don't keep what you hear, those words will come back... To judge you, I can still hear Wayne in my head, you know, with several other people uh, saying, "You should put back as much as you can, Cliff, for retirement." I still hear that; it uh, irritates me now. <laughs> Look what he says here. He says, "If you hear it, but you don't do it, do you find that struggle in your own life? That 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 you know you hear, but we don't often do." i tell you what. I'll tell you what'll enliven your Christian life more than anything and I try to do this every week you know, with some kind of application, is I dare you to do something about what you hear today. Either in here, or in church, big church, or little church in the venue. Do something. I dare you. Do, do, do something about it that causes you to say, here's, here's what I'm going to do based on what... Because Jesus said you have to hear it and then do it. Notice also in verse 48. He rejects me and does not receive my sayings as one who judges him. The word I spoke what'll so judge him at the last day now, I want to I want to look at that for a few minutes because that, that is kind of fascinating I mean, where Jesus says here is if you reject me or you uh, if you if you refuse me and you don't take it up uh, you'll have someone who will judge you the, the words you know what I think this is is we all deal with this don't we the, the the reality of regret you ever regretted anything something you should have done you didn't do or something you did do you wish you hadn't have done yeah, or 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 any of those things where, where you said something and then you had to rewind it. Uh, Jesus is saying here, you heard it, you didn't do anything with it, or you rejected it, you didn't take it, and it will be what will say to you on that last day. Now notice what Jesus says here. It will judge you on the last day. On the last day. Now, these are heavy things. Again, this is Jesus' last lecture. He's laying out some big ideas here about life and reality. What does it say here? It says, that word will judge you on the last day. Here's what I wrote. Here's what I thought when I was working through this. Our problem when we get judgmental is that we want to judge in a hurry. As soon as we see somebody do something, as soon as we sense that somebody's off track, we want to judge them right then, right? I don't know. I'm just just trying to look at this and, and consider... What if this thing with Jesus saying, look, these words are not going to judge you now. It will on the last day. There's time to change. There's time. There's time to change now, Cliff. These words that you hear, they will judge you on the last day. I wrote in my notes that our problem or my problem is that I'm in a hurry to judge. I always want to bring judgment now instead of being careful of understanding. And Jesus here is suggesting that there will be a day. It's the last day. It's a way a time off. But there will be a day when these words come and they can judge you. But in the interim, in the meantime, there is time to do something about it. To do something about it, to 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 to, to obey, to to respond, to re, to re, to rely on the words of Jesus. You know, a friend of mine, Dick Foth, makes this statement. I think he's right. He said, I, "I think we all have these understandings of Jesus, but his actions draw me, but sometimes Jesus's words confound me." Does that ever happen to you? That. That his actions draw me when I see him relating and responding to people. But his words confound me at times. And I think we just have to be honest about that. This guy is a lot more complicated than the guy I just saw on the flannel board in VBS, right? (laughs) Right? He's a lot more complicated here than the one who came on the VBS flannel graph board. And Jesus is just saying, I, I want to tell you this. I want you as a crowd to know this. There will be a day when you'll be judged by what you heard me say. I, I, I wrote on your outline, I think, here, this idea. And I want to get on. What if you identified one word that Jesus taught that you're keeping? You know, you could say, hey, I, here, here's what I am doing. And you ought to rejoice in that. That you're not, And, and, and one word that you're not keeping you know you may, when i wrote this i thought we all got one right <laughs> or 10 this this is the matter of discipleship of of coming to understand that it's not simply in hearing and understanding and declaring it's finally in keeping in, in keeping those words not rejecting them not not just trying to analyze them to death but to finally come to some awareness that it's something that i am A to-do now. That this understanding... So you could ask, could you identify why you're not keeping the Word of Jesus? Why is that? That He taught and how you might begin to keep this Word. Or would you be willing to read the Gospels exclusively for a month? I'll just tell you, I've been doing this for a while. But I go back to the Gospels sometimes and concentrate in a section and I go, I don't think I remember that. I forgot that. This is what Jesus said about this or... This is what Jesus said about that. This matter, if you will, about truth. So so Jesus is simply saying here, here's the truth about judgment. I didn't come to judge the world. That's not why I came. That's not my program. My purpose is to save. But it is in preaching and teaching the Word from God, His Father, that will bring judgment to the world. It will. John Wesley made this statement. He said, we'll be so convinced at that time, we'll just say, God, you're right. You're right. Okay? Does that make sense? Yes? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's why we we need to be wise and listen. Yeah. All right, let's look here. C. This is the last one. This is the good one that Jesus ends with. The truth about God's offer. Look at verse look, verse forty nine and fifty. For the for he uh, for I did not speak on my own initiative. In other words, I, I didn't come with my own program here. I came, the Father Himself sent me, and gave me a commandment as what to say and what to speak. Uh, this is a fascinating statement. Verse fifty. I know that His commandment is eternal life. That, that's a strange way to say that. I know that His commandment is. Eternal life. Therefore, the things I speak, I speak just as the Father has told me. Here's, here's the truth about God's offer. He, the offer of life. Let me, just, let me just ask you to look at this. Um, Jesus used an interesting word here, command, Intole or the, the, the Greek word is actually commandment. You know, there are ten of those, you know, the ten commandments. This is the same word. The idea of commandment. Now, this has two possibilities here. What Jesus is saying is, this is his commandment that I'm I'm telling you. His commandment is what? Eternal life. It could mean that this is simply that Jesus is saying or declaring what his Father said. That's what he says. I don't speak on my own. He says here, "I, I only speak the things that my Father tells me. It could mean that he's just simply saying, listen, God gave me something to talk about. God gave me something. God the Father gave me something to declare. And here's what it is eternal life. Although the use of this term, just again, this you're going to, have to get in my head. Be sure and get out here in just a minute. But the use of this term to this Jewish audience, when they hear the word commandment, not command, commandment, is the term here. When they hear that word, what do they think of? Huh? Yeah. The ten suggestions? No, <laughs> not that. The Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments, isn't that interesting? That Jesus said, here's the commandment from God, eternal life. Is Jesus doing what we would call a midrash? A midrash is an oral interpretation on the law. In other words, when when people would read the law and study it, they'd say, now here's what that means. That's why I have a job we got to complicate things enough so you don't understand it, right? So I can say, well, what that really means, a steward, is. So I have a job. Midrash is this commentary on the law. Is Jesus doing a midrash here to these Jewish people to say, you know what all those commandments issue forth in? You know what all those commandments are about? Life. Life as I know it. All those commandments, all of those ten are ways in which I was trying to help you understand life. Now, what did they learn from that? They couldn't keep them, right? They couldn't keep all of them. So here Jesus is saying, I've got one commandment here from God, and it is eternal life. That Greek word there, eternal life. It literally can be translated like this. What is eternal life? It's not to live forever. We've talked about this. Eternal life is not to live forever everybody's going to live forever somewhere. Okay? Right? According to what I see the Scripture, everybody's going to live somewhere forever. Eternal life's not living forever. It literally means life into the age of the ages. There's an age coming. There's a time coming. He's saying, what this is, is there is life that's coming into the age of the ages. And I've come to offer this. This is literally the offer of, of life into the age of the ages. Why is that? John's suggestion, and I think the rest of the New Testament is this. Remember, Jesus did not come to make bad people good. That's not what that's not his program. Jesus did not come to make bad people good. Jesus came to make dead people alive. That's a categorically different understanding. Not make you good, not because you've been so bad, because you're dead. Now, let's look at this. Why? Because he's talking about eternal life. If you notice in the New Testament that the word dead never means to cease to exist, ever. Never. It means to be out of relationship. Go to Luke 15, read the parable of the prodigal son, and what does the father say when that boy comes back? He says, Your brother was lost, he was sinful. What did he say? Your, or This son of mine was dead and has now come back to life. Death is always separation. And in this particular context, it's always separation from God as the source of life. Now listen to me, real careful, real careful. The real problem with human beings is that we seek life from other sources other than God. That's the real problem. We seek our life from other sources other than God. We think money is going to bring us life. We think relationships will bring us life. We think power will bring us life. We think something new will bring us life. There's nothing wrong with any of those things, alright? You know, money, relationships, those kind of things. But we begin to seek for life from those things This is the condition of human beings. Now, look at this. When he says life, it's the idea of life that is not just forever. We already know that happens for everybody. It's life that is in relationship with God into the age of the ages. I've I've told you this before, but this is always the understanding of the New Testament. Your problem and my problem is not that we're bad. We don't have the horsepower we need. We don't have the life that we need. And I've told you over and over again, the Christian life isn't try harder. It isn't try harder. If you've gone that route, how's that working? (laughs) Pretty miserable, isn't it? It's pretty miserable. The the Christian life or what Jesus is offering here is the saying, what I've come to command or to give is eternal life. Listen, I told you tell my students. Listen, the Christian life is not difficult. What is it? Impossible. This is where Jesus confounds me. I mean, I think if I would just try harder, things would get better. I think if I would just be more disciplined, things would get better. Listen, I'm not the source of life, and neither are you. I'm not the source. My knowledge is not the source. My discipline is not the source. My effort is not the source. My knowledge and wisdom, my friends, none of that's the source. Jesus said this is the commandment. It's eternal life. It comes from God. That's why Jesus uses a word like life here. That's why earlier He would said you have to be born again. That's why Paul talks about 2 Corinthians, that He who is in Christ is what? A new what? Creation. Not a, not a dressed up one, not a new... Now, now, go over, we, one day we may get to this chapter, chapter 17 in John. <laughs> 17. This is Jesus speaking to His Father on the last night of His earthly ministry and He says in verse 17, Jesus lifted up His eyes to heaven and He said, Father, glorify Your name, Your Son, that Your Son may glorify You even as you gave Him authority over all flesh into whom all you have given Him, that He may give them eternal life. Look at this. This is what? What does it say there in 17.3? In the American Standard. This is eternal life. Now listen, whatever your definition has been before or whatever you thought it was, Jesus is now saying, This is what it is. What is it? Huh? What does it say there? I might have to give you all a test. <laughs> yeah. That they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. You know that word know means personal, intimate, knowledge it doesn't mean you know like you know there's an Eiffel Tower although you've never been there it doesn't mean you know that there is a place called New York City but you've never been there this is the knowledge of relationship the knowledge of friendship the knowledge of intimate folks together and Jesus is saying this is what it is you know, I, I sort of feel, I just I often feel foolish when I talk about this because I realize that what I'm saying here is that this is not religion here, and this isn't just some four techniques and four steps to eternal life, right? I mean, I get that. I was you know I, I'd love for that. I wish there were four steps to eternal life, or you know, seven steps to raising wonderful children, right? That'd be that'd be nice. This is so beyond me, and this is so beyond religion this is the notion that God himself through the power of the Holy Spirit has to bring us life and you know what my position has to be dependence I can't do this God I can't pull this off I, I can no more uh, you know uh, give myself life than I could born myself you didn't born yourself I, I, I can't bring life to me I can't all I can do is receive it. All I can do is say to God, I, I want the life You have for me. As, I've, as I'm getting older, I told you, I don't ask people anymore if they're saved or not saved. I don't know what that means anymore. You know, I don't ask people if they're on their way to heaven. I, I ask this, is there anybody in there but you? Is there anybody in there but you? Amen. That's right. He is in you, And with you. Yeah, that's right, Bill. said that's good preaching, Betty. (laughs) Think of this. I'm not talking about steps and routines and matters. Jesus said, this is His commandment. Eternal life. The life that you don't have, the life that I don't have. The life that God gives as a gift through belief in Him. What a relief when I found out the Christian life wasn't difficult, it was impossible. When I realized that God didn't want me just to try harder and turn up every ounce of discipline I have and work at it, but He wanted me to open my heart and my life to Him to say, give me what I don't have. You're the source of life, not me. What a relief. What an understanding when Jesus... This is the commandment. Forget... said this way. Be careful, Cliff. Okay, leave me alone. Here we go. Listen. So much at times worrying about these commandments is we're trying to work the outside of our life to change the inside of our life. When what we need to say, Lord Jesus, I need your life, your eternal life. That's where the source of life is. And then I can do whatever needs to be done out here. We work out to end. Jesus is always working in to out. I was going to say, don't worry about all those commandments. If you have life, Because if you have life living in you, if I have life living in me, then Jesus lives His own life. That's why Paul could say, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Is that true for us? That Christ lives in me, and the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself for me. I'm pleading with you to consider this. That the commandment that Jesus came to declare is eternal life. Not eternal lists. <laughs> I lived in a church. I worked at a church or served in it, that. It, I thought we lived by eternal lists. <laughs> Did you? I mean, I had a list for everything. I still do. Pull them out every once in a while. I need one for Becky or you know. <laughs> no, it's not true. I live by eternal lists instead of by eternal life. That that the. The Christian life, the the thing that Jesus came and lived and died and rose for was what my wonderful Pentecostal sister in law said a Holy Ghost takeover. (laughs) Like that. Holy Ghost takeover to come and give you life. Would you like to go try and start trusting? Would you like to live by life instead of a list? Would you like to find that there's energy from the power of the Spirit of Jesus in your life instead of just a bunch of effort all the time? You know, these are all tensions we have to work in. I know His commandment. And I speak of it. He says, it is eternal life. Jesus comes to give life into the next age. It starts now. Eternal life is life into the next age. We get a little taste of it here, don't we? we? We get a little sense of it here. That life that comes from Jesus now. You've experienced that. But now it comes to be life into the next age. Jesus' last lecture covered some big deal, didn't it? Judgment. Who God is election, God's sovereignty and you if you will this last matter of what is eternal life or what is God's command now the question will be, what do we do the question might be this for you this week, here's the application of this last one, we'll get out of here the application might be this when you wake up in the morning I have a friend that does this when you wake up in the morning before you get out of bed would you just breathe in some air? And in doing that, affirm or declare, Jesus, today, your breath, your life is going to live in me. Your breath, your life. Just when you wake up, when your eyes open, just you, you are breathing already. Right? This is not something hard, okay? <laughs> People are looking at me like, you're already doing this. Trust me, okay? Just, just trust me on this one. You're already kind of doing this. The difference is for you to consciously say, I'm going to be a person that I breathe in as I breathe in this air. I'm going to be reminded that I'm breathing and I'm living because of the life of God living in me. Isn't there a song, I breathe the Spirit in, and I can give it back? There probably is. I just don't know it. You're just smarter than I am. I just I don't know it. How about we do this? Let's just bow our heads. We'll finish this way. I'm going to pray this prayer over myself and over you. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. Melt me. Mold me. Make me. Use me. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. And Lord Jesus, we look to you for that life. We know who our Father is. We trust your words. And we receive your life as those who will live each and every day in that life from you. We pray it in your strong name. Amen.